Hello, and welcome again to my show, Searching for Integrity. My name really is John Smith, and I'm searching for people with integrity. Why? Because our country suffers from IDD, Integrity Deficit Disorder. Today, we have Alexandra Allred, author and historian, and her book, When Women Stood, The Untold History of Females Who Changed Sports and the World. That's quite an entry. Are you there, Alex? Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, it's funny you say that because we had a hard time with that title, but I, that wraps it up for you. <laughs> okay, now, interesting for you, maybe, I don't know. My wife is named Alexandra. Oh, it's a good, good and, name. And, and we have a daughter named Alexandra. Is one Alexandra and one Alex? One Alex is the mom, and Andra, the last part, is the daughter. Oh, I like that. I like that. Yeah. So anytime you're thinking about having another child, <laughs> it, may be a, it may be a girl. <laughs> yeah. There you go. I'm off, I'm off track now. Um, <laughs> let's see. You, you've, you've taken such pride in laying this out. Um, it was very impressive in terms of the book. I always go first to the table of contents. That tells me what it is and when it is, that type of thing. And a lot of these things that I'm going to let you just you know, take the reins and then let you tell everybody what it is, where it is, that type of thing. Um, okay. I thought um, I, I would let you... Can on the road, of course. I started out um, chapter three. Okay, yeah. White women in sport. Yes, um, and that had that. It it didn't start out that way. Um, and as I started doing more and more research, because uh, as you saw in the in the table of content. I went back to women of antiquity, ancient Greece, Spartan women. But as I moved into uh, more modern times, I guess you could say, um, it became clear that I needed to break that up because the white female athlete experience was very different from the non-white. And the reason for that is because there was a time in which the only women who were allowed to engage in what was called leisure sport, mm -hmm. tennis, croquet, that sort of thing, were educated, upper-class, wealthy women. Well, those, those that was the white women. Mm -hmm. And so just at, for education for my students, I needed for them to understand just how, how it played out who the first people were to be recognized and in the history books and why, and then we move into today. So it, 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 it's historically speaking, it's necessary to kind of teach how female pioneers moved into and through sport. Right, right. I, I looked at that and I immediately had my own answer for that. And okay. what it was, was that um, white women in sport, um, if it's not skiing, 
or ice skating, if you're doing basketball and track and those kinds of things, the white women are going to be finishing second. That was my observation. Uh, that's well, <laughs> you, you can't know, change that. Yeah, and e and even today there are definitely um, sports, male and female sports, um, where there seems to be like the winter sports are usually more predominantly white. Than, I mean, that's just like, right. Some things, right. Have, some things have not changed that much. Okay. Um, let's see. Next item. I will tell you that I love that you said you always look at the table of content first because I do the same thing. I look at the <laughs> table of content and then I flip to the index too to see what kind of research we're talking about before I decide uh -huh. if I'm going to buy a book or not. So uh -huh. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That yeah. will help. That, that helps authors, you know, have customers buy the books. Um, let's see here. Women of color and their place in the women's movement. That's um, yeah, chapter five. What and so the same thing, which is really, so you spoke earlier before we started filming that there were some things that you didn't know. And I, I joked and said me too. Um, you know, for literally almost two decades now, I've been teaching college students and um, I'm, I was surprised that I had not understood that the the Hispanic, the Latina female athlete really didn't show up until the 1990s. Right. And, and looking at history, Asian, Black, white, you know, varying uh, countries where they came from, you know, they've, they've, since the 1500s, we, in 1600s, we've seen them moving through history. Maybe not, they, it wasn't legal for them to be in sport, we, but we've seen them. But then it really was a not until the 1990s that the Latina female showed up. And I had a student one time said a great comment to me. I was asking the class, I said, why do you think that is? And a, a male student said, well, it's hard for an athlete to be taken seriously if she's hypersexualized. And it is true for Latina women, historically speaking, they've always been very sexualized in their, um, their culture. And so that was, it was one of the reasons why her emergence as an athlete didn't come until so late into the game. Right. But that was right. really interesting. Right. Yeah. I've, I've seen that and played some of that. Um, yeah. Actually, I have, I have a grandson who's a um, uh, 200 yard, 400 yard track star. Well, nice. maybe not, maybe not so much star, but he wins a lot. And uh, I went to the last, uh, um, Greensboro, um, meet all, all across the country. People were there and, and I sat there, I'm telling you, the enthusiasm for those people to get there. Um, I, I think there were probably six white people there and I was four, four of them, but that, because that's, that's the, the, the black guys were running and, and the black girls, they were just outrunning the whites. Just, just, you know, zoom, zoom. <laughs> yeah, I, you, you know, I, it's, it's just, it's fun for me as a historian to just look at um, where people excel in sports and and what sports they like, and um, yeah, it's just. Yeah, well, I got, I got to get off of that. People think I'm a racist, and I'm not. <laughs> um, 
Um, okay, here's another one. Chapter seven. Women, war, and their entry into sport. So um, I do talk about, and I, so to understand the female athlete, we, we, we can't just talk about her segue into sports because it was very slow and very difficult to get into. So we do, we, you know, I, I bring in a lot of politics as well just so that they understand when certain rights were made available to women, how women fought for certain rights. And so with the war effort, when the men went overseas and women took these jobs in the factories, that was a huge moment for female athletes in that when the war was over and the men came home, a lot of the women didn't want to give up their jobs because they loved this newfound independence. They had money. But they also realized that they could do so much more than they thought they could do before. And so a lot of them wanted to get into more recreational sports that they previously thought, oh, this is not for women. And more than this, the athletic event, they they wanted to be part of a team. They from work, they learned they learned how fun it was to have this social net, this built-in social network. So for a lot of women who were forced to give up their job or they did go back home. Sports gave them a way to still have be part of a social network and be part of a, a, a women's team that they really love so much. So that was, a, you know, it's just, it's interesting how much women have craved to have their own team. Mm -hmm. And sports has just been a great way to get that team. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I agree. I, I watched it all along. And uh, I also watched the, the part about, uh, the real history behind Title Title Nine and the Battle of the Sexes. Oh yeah, that's a great one, isn't it? Yeah, I really yeah. like that. Yeah, you can't can't you can't ignore that. And I remember at the time it was occurring. Where the, where the battles were. Yep the the um, the Battle of the Sexes that was a huge event, and I I try to tell my college students who it's hard for them to conceptualize a time where. There wasn't social media. We didn't have Netflix or, you know, um, but so, and I keep trying to make them understand the battle of sex happened in, in uh, Houston, Texas. It was the biggest event anybody could talk about. It was, it was just so huge and it became so much more than tennis and so much more than Jimmy Connors and Billie Jean King. It was, it became a movement all of its own. And um, people were actually betting, uh, you know, it, it, Las Vegas, that they they got involved. I mean, it was just it was a colossal event on one that we've rarely seen since then. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, um, I like the way you've taken history because there's, there's an application in the economies that have waves: wave one, wave two, wave three. Yes, and, and you've got the same thing applied to. The same waves, I assume. There must be some coordination. It, uh, there is. And as you just said, with what you do um, professionally, historically with women, these waves, there were there were new things that women were looking for or what they wanted. And, and it's crazy because it involved um, not just financial independence and jobs, equality, but it had to do with things like even um, clothing. And, you know, and, and how they appeared in the media and movies and even rights for stunt women in Hollywood. 
So there were waves that we just, that they kind of went through. And so I, I use those waves, um, particularly for my college students to help them under, understand the timelines and the movements. Now, are, are you uh, teaching uh, semesters that you choose? Um, I te yes, I, te I teach at Tarleton State University and it's in the kinesiology, but I teach, um, I, my students are tomorrow's leaders in all things sports, health, wellness, right. uh, occupational and physical right. therapy. Sure. So not only do I teach functional movement and the importance of the human body, but I also specifically have a women's history class that is about women in sports. Do you bar males for that class? Uh, you know what? For many semesters, I've had more male students than I have female <laughs> students. I, I do the same, same thing. <laughs> yeah. When I joke sometimes too, because when we get into some of the the heavier topics, you know, I always tease some of them and say, this isn't what you thought you were signing up for when you signed up for women's sports, <laughs> yeah. is it? No, no. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> now, explain for me, though, the third wave. What is the third wave? So coming into the third well, I should say coming out of the second wave, there was there was a huge time gap. And so moving into the third, the third wave was really a time when um, what when we talk about Title IX and we talk about equality today, it's usually that it's the third wave when women were saying we want equal rights in terms of job pay and job opportunities. We, you know. That was that's the third wave is it was really a stand on um, just financial independence and also just being recognized. Most of my college students don't know that right now the United States is the only Western country in the world who doesn't have complete equal provisions in its constitution for men and women. Women aren't yet. We don't have the same provisions in the U.S. Constitution as males. And my students will argue with me and they'll say, that's not right. We Women are equal in the Constitution. And I'll say, we do not have <laughs> the same guarantees. You just, we're close, right. but you need to go back and look. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. Um, and that's interesting because that's kind of where we are with sports as well. So I like mm -hmm. it a lot of how we, how we see our female athletes, not just in the United States, but the world. It, it echoes what's going on um, culturally and politically around the world as well. Right. You're so very right. Um, chapter 16, sports and abuse. Yeah. That's a, that's a really tough one. I had a um, an NBA player once said that he, he, felt, he felt for female athletes because as a boy and a man, when an athlete wants to play, they just pick up the ball or put on their shoes and they go play. Mm -hmm. And he said, but women, that's not been the same history for girls and women. And I, and I love that he said that because, uh, and that's why I, I included several difficult chapters in this book, because mm -hmm. I want everyone, male and females, to understand just how much females had, have had to fight for various things to get to where we are. So that we never get complacent and we always push for greatness. And um, so a lot of times it sounds like when I'm talking about all this really heavy stuff, 
it might sound like it's all doom and gloom. It is not because I, I want my I want my male students to understand how great the struggle has been. And I want my female athletes or, or my female readers to appreciate what's been laid out for them and the work that their pioneers have done. And I want, you know, and I want them to keep up the the strong, but I love your podcast name because integrity is so vital to the success of anyone. But for us, just having the integrity and knowing that we're always trying to put our best foot forward, we can rise up without dragging others down. And so that's really at the at the end of it all, that's my biggest message to my to any I say my students, but to to any readers. Right. Well, when I looked at the uh, chapter name "Sports and Abuse," I immediately thought about the uh, gymnasts uh, right. and, and how that went along, how that went on and on and on and on and on. I just yeah. don't, I don't understand, but it's hopefully it's over now. You know, you hope. Um, and uh, again, I say this to everyone all the time: is there's bad news wherever you look every single day. <laughs> So we sure. just try to hope to learn from it. And that's, again, that's one of several reasons that I included this chapter because um, we got to learn from this. And mm-hmm. I want my male students to read this and understand and be willing to also speak up when they see something happening. But I also wanted to empower my female readers to realize, yeah, you you speak up. Because what's so disturbing about the fact that Larry Nasser had over five Hundred victims, ranging from as young as eight years old to people into their late twenties, and you think, how could this have possibly happened? But when there's a culture that's so deeply ingrained in these young athletes' minds of you need to shut up and just toe the line, and that's how you'll get to the Olympic Games. That's how monsters can. That's how this monster was able to go on for so long. So, you know, we need to integrity, integrity, integrity. You know, we just, that's what we'll save ourselves. Well, we've now moved into the fourth wave, I say, in sports and society. This is where it gets really heavy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Go ahead. Um, So I, I've had, I've done quite a few interviews. Um, this is the topic that no one wants to talk about because it's no matter how I answer, I'm going to have someone be mad at me. And when I was first talking to the publishing house about this, you know, the first thing I said was, I'm okay talking about this for a number of reasons. Um, Science is science and facts are facts. And so here's, here's as the big topic today is uh, transgender female athletes entering women's sports. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, how do you feel about that? So I, I always have to preface it by saying, on a personal level, I, I, I'm okay with anyone doing whatever they want to do. And my, my line has always been, you can be who you want to be as long as it doesn't harm anyone else. I, you know, mm-hmm. I believe that everyone should have the opportunity to to be who they believe that they should be. So I have zero problem with transgender female um, doing whatever they want to do. 
uh, be becoming whatever they want to become. Um, and the same with transgender males. I, I'm, I, I really honestly go forward and have a good life. They weren't even really on my radar until I began researching this book. And then as I got into this part of um, women's sports, I sat back and I started reading uh, a lot of the studies, but I was also looking, it was impossible to not see what was going on in the news. And I talked to more and more athletes. And the bottom line is this, today in our top medical universities in the United States, we still use a 154 pound male model to represent a woman. And hmm. we do this knowing that women, because of her hormones, Women respond differently to anesthesia. Women wake up frequently in the middle of a surgery. Um, they have very uh, adverse effects to different kinds of medications because they were never tested on women. They were only tested on men. And to this day, we only 6% of all exercise science is dedicated to the female athlete. Mm -hmm. And so my, my response to that is, and then you look at the newest studies that have come out with um, testosterone repression for transgender female athletes. And we're finding that after two years of repressing their testosterone, their level of testosterone is still higher than the most elite female athlete who has high testosterone levels. Wow. You know, so, right, that says a lot right there. But mm -hmm. even then, even if we were to to get to the point where we could level the testosterone levels and have that. The other issue that's still very real, that still needs to be addressed is, but the male skeletal system, um, the male, the biological male skeletal system, their lungs, organs, heart are still larger than the females, which means that this, this, it's not, it, it's not fair. <laughs> and, but, what else, what I say about all that is this, when we've actually done enough research and more than 6% and we really understand the female body, the female athlete, then I could, then I would say, okay, let's have a fair conversation about that. But right now in the United States, American women die during childbirth more than any other Western country. And when people are shocked about that, I'd say, well, why would you be shocked? We're still using a 154-pound male. And the story of Mary Kane, who was once dubbed the fastest girl in America, she was quickly swept up by Nike, and she was very excited about this. And she was going to, you know, she was Olympic bound. And when she got there, the male coach, they were all male coaches, and they, they knew nothing about the female anatomy. And so they literally starved her. She was deprived of proper carbohydrate, proper protein levels. They gave her a random weight that they thought would be a good running weight, having no, no research background on whether, and they, they literally broke her down and destroyed her career. And then um, Dr. Stacy Sims was a, a very successful iron woman. She competes in the Ironman. It's a long story, but the short of it is she does terribly and winds up in the medical tent and she's confused and she's, well, I thought I was going to do really great. How did this happen to me? And nobody could give her the answer except for fellow iron women athletes who said, well, when are you going to have your menstrual cycle? And she finds out all this information. She goes back to her university and she says to the lead researcher, 
why didn't I know this? I, you know, I'm an elite athlete. Why, why doesn't anyone know this? And he said, and she told me, she goes, get ready for this. Cause this is what he said. He said, well, women are a bit of a anomaly and we don't really study women because the, because of your hormones, you're too expensive and you're too time consuming. So we just don't study you. Mm. <laughs> and I said, <laughs> okay, so until we can address all of that nonsense and we can give good medical care and have good research, I think it's negligent and it's irresponsible mm -hmm. to let transgender female athletes come into women's sports because we genuinely don't know enough about female athletes yet. Mm -hmm. So that's my very long answer. <laughs> well, no, it, it needs to be lengthy because of the issue at hand. Yeah. Uh, I, I wonder about uh, the, uh, the aspect of uh, competition. Uh, do you think at some point there will be a different league versus another league? This is that has been proposed quite a bit. Um, so far, um, the transgender community has opposed that, and, and, I, and I get it. They're, they oppose it because they're saying, "Well, that's not fair because then we're not really being included." And I, I feel badly about that because I, I. And I am anti-exclusion. I, you know, I love the idea of everybody being included, but I, I just can't say enough times, but we have to be careful when one person's inclusion is hurting other people. Right. And so, right. And then, so until we know more about the female athlete, you know, again, I, I think it's irresponsible to do a full inclusion. And so I would say, yeah, let's do, let's have a third category. Um, mm -hmm. There are other people have been, suggesting an open many people have suggested two categories mm -hmm. females women's sports and open sports mm -hmm. and anyone can go into for example in open sports i could try out for the nfl i'm not going to make it <laughs> but i could try out yeah, <laughs> right sure and so then they say then that you know then it's fair but for, to be in women's sports we really need to stick to keeping it for biological females right. Until we know otherwise. Yeah. Well, let's let's try to wrap this up. Um, last two items, chapters, game changers, and where to go from here. So those are my happiest chapters um, because <laughs> I I love the game changers, and I would love for your audience to know that uh, when I finished this book, it was over six hundred pages, and it had oh. to be edited down, right? And so I had to lose so many people and i actually shed several tears over who i had to cut out of the book oh, sure. but i would i especially want um younger female athletes to know there are so many incredible role models out there right now who are just should give you so much hope for equal opportunities in sport and sports marketing and coaching and these are women who just bravely finally stood up and said, you know what, I don't like this. This isn't fair. And that includes women who are now starting to say, why am I forced to wear a bikini playing volleyball when the men are wearing long shorts? And so, you know, the more we stand up and we say, why, why are female athletes not wearing very much clothing? You know, I, these mm -hmm. are the kind of things that are going to move us forward and help us get 
more respect and feel more respectful for and about mm. each other. And, and so I, I see great things in the future for female athletes. I, I, I agree. Uh, you know, you've, you've hit the, you've hit the nail with a hammer on everything I've asked you. And I, that really yes. makes you, a, a, a <laughs> as I said, you know, you're not just a historian. You're, you're, you're the, you're the book itself. Well, I, um, I love it. I, I just, I became enraptured with the history of what women did or were willing to do uh-huh. and, and in the pursuit of for others. And I, I love that so much. We're all just a big team. So, um, and I told you, I, I love that you're in the, your play on integrity because it just, it doesn't get enough play in our world right. today. And uh, we need That's it. That's true. That's true. Now tell our listeners where they can find your book. If they want to buy it, they want to buy it. Well, good. And thank you. So, well, here's the book. Ta-da. And you really can get it. You can get online, walmart.com, target.com, any of your favorite bookstores. And of course, Amazon, um, fast and easy, but you can get it anywhere. And um, it's just, I love it. I tell people I can brag about this book because I feel like I just simply regurgitated a brilliant history and I got to meet all these amazing women. Right. It's 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 a piece of work and people ought to look into this. Uh, and I'm doing my best here. Um, let me thank my listeners who have uh, tuned in today. And I'm glad to thank you today, Alex. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been it's been a good session. And um, yes. I need to uh, um, hopefully come back to the uh, searching for integrity and what you're talking about. My my numbers are up. I'm told. Um, yeah. So, so nevertheless, uh, so long, and happy trails to all. <laughs>